This is Allison Gardner, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 82, and today I will be talking about feeding concerns from a sensory perspective. I have touched on this in the past, but today I'm going to cover this as it relates to feedings with newborns and infants. Once again, this topic comes from a listener's email, and this particular listener is a registered dietitian. So I am really excited about this question, not only because I really love to talk about this subject, but also because of the fact that this show is reaching a larger and larger variety of professionals every day. That just reinforces to me again how much we are all working on common goals in early intervention. And how, while we, are, we all have our specific key things that we are looking for and working with families on, there is so much overlap in what we all do that it does benefit us all to work together, to communicate with each other, and to figure out how to best support the families that we work with. Basically, even though a registered dietitian has more information about one piece of feeding therapy, a speech therapist A speech-language pathologist might have more information about a different piece of it, and an occupational therapist may have more information about yet another piece of it. And by learning from each other and working together when possible, we will be giving our families the best opportunity for success. Speaking of that, I want to welcome any new listeners to the show. I met a lot of new families and providers at the Blue Valley Special Needs Resource Fair last night. It was really, really good to get out in a place like that again with such great resources for families of children with special needs. And I had an opportunity to catch up with someone that I went to OT school with so many years ago. And I also met a lot of new therapists who work in the area. I really thought it was great that even though we were all in the field potentially working with the same type of clients, we're still easily able to collaborate with each other. There were many conversations throughout this event between therapists, talking about our own practices, our clinics, resources, and we were able to offer advice or pass along information to help each other out and just help each other to be successful. It could have been an awkward type of a competition, but it turned out to be a really cool experience, and I met a lot of new people that I know I could reach out to anytime and we could possibly collaborate on maybe possible business opportunities in the future. I was so busy talking to people last night that I forgot to take very many pictures, but I did manage to get a few early on, and I posted them on my Facebook and Instagram page. If you live in the Kansas City area and you didn't get to make it to the event, send me an email and I can at least forward you the list of all of the businesses and resources that were there. For those of you who are purchasing the CEUs from me, please let me know how that process is working for you. I want to make it as easy as possible. And if there's anything that is not working right, I really want you guys to tell me because otherwise I have no way of knowing that. I will send you an email with the PDF attachments for the tests once I receive a notification from PayPal that you have purchased a specific one. So it will not happen immediately. 
I will send the attachment as soon as I can, which is basically once I'm back around my computer to get the file. I will send you the test by the end of the same day at the very latest, but also check your spam folder just in case the email goes there for some reason. One final thing I wanted to mention today is that I know I haven't been able to post a lot of episodes lately. I'm lucky to be getting one per month right now. That has been really frustrating for me and probably for you all as well. I wanted to explain that my working hours have increased this year because I have been working in a school district in addition to continuing to provide some private in-home early intervention therapy. I have simply not had the time that I had before to write these episodes and put them all together for you. We are quickly approaching the end of the school year, so once summer hits at the end of May, I will have a lot more open time, and I plan to start putting out episodes more frequently again. So please hang on and wait for that. I will talk more about that in detail when the time comes. For now, bear with me and keep the emails and questions and suggestions coming. I haven't forgotten any of them. I will still get to the ones that have already come in, and I will address new ones over the summer too. Okay, so let's get into the topic for today. There are so many aspects of sensory-related issues with feeding that I could get into. First, let's talk about who might be at a higher risk for having sensory issues. Babies who are born prematurely, babies that have been exposed to drugs in utero, babies that have Down syndrome, and those that are at risk for having autism. And some babies might have sensory issues for unknown or unexplained reasons. Now, I know that statement is not exactly helpful because that could mean that we are including all babies as being at risk for sensory issues. But here's my reasoning behind saying that. When I'm working with a family and their infant, if they were born prematurely or have a diagnosis from birth, I always consider that sensory processing could be a potential issue for them. If I'm working with a family and their baby was born full term and does not have a diagnosis at that time, but they are having difficulties with feeding, then I will always consider that there could be some sensory issues and it becomes part of the potential equation. So I guess a better statement might be that any baby who is having difficulties with feeding is at risk for having sensory processing issues. Keep this in mind as I go through the discussion today. I will be explaining sensory issues as it could relate to any infant who is having difficulties with feedings. Now today I'm going to focus on only newborns or infants who are strictly bottle or breastfed. I'm not even going to be able to get into the older babies who are eating from a spoon and um, even older kids like toddlers but I will get into those in other episodes. With that being said, let's talk about potential sensory-related issues with newborn and infant feedings. When it comes to newborn babies, I would hope that if they are having feeding difficulties, it will get addressed before mom and baby are discharged from the hospital to go home. Babies who are born preterm are more likely to have a feeding therapist in the hospital 
at the very least evaluate their feeding skills to see if they're able to take oral feedings and if they're having trouble try and solve the the problem with mom since some babies who are born prematurely will have such difficulties with oral feedings they will frequently have an ng tube or a g tube placed while they are in the hospital in order to be able to maintain or gain weight and take in nutrition babies in this situation often have more oral sensitivities because they are not taking anything in by mouth or very little we tend to understand this and make suggestions and recommendations for parents to continue with an oral motor program even though the baby isn't eating by mouth at that time some parents will follow these recommendations and others won't much like any other recommendations that we present this is a pretty serious one though because if we provide those oral motor programs and parents follow them they might be able to prevent some of the oral sensitivities from developing in the first place or if the sensitivities are already there they might be able to help with desensitization. I didn't really mean to get too depth in with preemies, but I did want to mention it because it is a pretty common thing that everyone really needs to be aware of. For those of us who are working in infant and toddler programs, we don't get to see these babies until they get home from the hospital. If we are lucky, we are there within days or a week of them coming home to begin or to continue reinforcing the oral motor program with them in their own home. Although I know not all states are as quick at making referrals to infant and toddler programs as uh, Missouri and Kansas seems to be. For those of you who are just starting out as a therapist or an in-home provider, Working with parents and newborns on feeding issues can be a little scary. It really takes time to gain experience in order to feel more comfortable and to actually know what you are talking about. When I first started, I did a lot of asking parents questions about what they were taught when their baby was in the hospital and what the therapist at the hospital suggested for them to do. And I had the parents show me what they had been working on with them. Asked to see any reports they might have gotten from the hospital or paperwork with any recommendations on them for therapy or otherwise. All of these things are good information for any of us to gather from the parents so that we know what has been going on up to this point, and we can help them continue with the plan and make adjustments if appropriate once they are home. With newborns or young infants that are having feeding difficulties, we have to consider all possible reasons why they might be having trouble. But for this show, we'll just be focusing on the sensory piece. So when we are looking at potential sensory issues with newborn or infant feedings, usually we are looking for either possible sensory sensitivities or decreased awareness. For newborns or infants with sensory sensitivities for bottle or breastfeeding, we usually see things like frequent gagging, frequent spitting up or reflux during or after feedings, or because of their gag reflux reacting. They might have difficulty latching on even though their mouth might be open and they are trying to do it. 
difficulty maintaining a good latch for feeding, and difficulty with the suck-swallow-breathe sequence. In this situation, you might see quite a bit of tongue thrust, or their tongue might seem to be held in a more forward position as a protective reaction. They might seem fussy when being held up close to the person that's feeding them. They might cry or become upset during the feeding process for no obvious reason. They may not cuddle or mold into you holding them as well as you would expect. They might seem to have more of a stiff body or they might seem anxious, especially during feedings. Because of difficulty latching on, they might have a lot of gas or air bubbles in their belly from taking in too much air while trying to eat. They might have a sensitive rooting reflex, where when you stimulate their cheek towards their mouth to help them turn in that direction towards the food source, they might react in such a way that they could even end up pulling their face away from the stimulation, the opposite of what we intend for them to do, because they might find that feeling to be unpleasant. They may tend to eat smaller amounts more frequently during the day. They might seem like they are still hungry and wanting to eat, but then get frustrated by not being able to be calm enough to try and latch on again. These are all signs of potential sensory sensitivities during the feeding process. But during other parts of the day, you might see that they become upset every time when you change their diaper and when you change their clothes. It could take them a while to calm down from being changed, and they might respond best to either being swaddled in a blanket or even just prefer to be laid down on the floor rather than held in your arms. Or placing them in a baby swing or a bouncy seat might help finally calm them down. They might refuse to take a pacifier and generally tend to not put their hands or any toys in their mouths for exploration purposes. In cases where the babies have more sensitivities, the whole feeding process for mom and baby tends to be pretty stressful. And this is true for either breast or bottle-fed babies in this situation. Moms worry that their baby isn't getting enough to eat and get frustrated and upset that they can't seem to help their own baby. It can make for a very anxiety-provoking experience, and with newborns and infants, feedings tend to happen quite a few times every day and night, so more people will seek out help in this type of a situation, or express concern at the very least. For newborns and infants with decreased awareness, they might also have a difficult time latching on, but instead of having an open mouth and actively attempting to latch on, they may have a more relaxed demeanor. Relaxed lips, and maybe they barely seem to notice the stimulation from the food source. They might not have a good rooting reflex, meaning when you try to stimulate this reflex with them, it could take more attempts to finally get them to notice, or they might not ever notice the stimulation at all. You may see, you may not see much gagging with these babies, but you could see some increase in coughing or choking. This could happen because they might get too much milk in their mouth before they've had a chance to react and swallow it. 
so it could start to go down their throat before they've noticed that it's back far enough for them to need to start to swallow. Remember, this is a processing issue, which means that there is a delay in the ability for them to detect the stimuli and to let the brain figure out how to respond to the stimuli and then tell their mouth what to do next. They might be able to latch on after several attempts, but easily unlatch and latch on again frequently during feedings, especially if they start to fall asleep while eating. You might see more milk than usual leak out of the sides of their mouth, even if they are maintaining a fairly decent latch. They might do well with relaxing into your arms and cuddling while feeding, or even just when being held in general. It could be difficult to determine whether or not they are full, because they might seem to eat a lot, but it can be hard to know for sure. Part of the reason for that could be related to processing. Again, if their stomach receptors that let them know they are full take longer than expected to send the signals to their brain and get the response back from their brain to tell them they are full, they may just keep eating or attempting to eat until either they actually get so full that it's obvious because they might spit up a lot of what they just ate, or the food is gone and they aren't fussing about taking the source away from them. This can be the same thing that happens when it has been a while since their last feeding, and technically they should be hungry again, but they might not ever fuss or act hungry. The parent just knows it's been long enough that they should be hungry again, so they go ahead and feed them. Or they might wait an extra long time and the baby might finally eventually become fussy because of the time it took them to process the feeling of hunger. These types of sensations related to interoception can make life difficult for so many people, not only for the person whose body is affected by it, but also for their parents or caregivers, especially before anyone has realized that it is an issue for that individual. Feeding strategies for infants with sensory issues are based on trial and error, which is not unusual for occupational ther therapy strategies in general. But we have to understand how sensory processing is affecting each person and use what we know about sensory processing to try and help them. For an infant who is sensitive to touch and has a sensitive oral motor system, we need to consider strategies that calm down that system. The first thing that comes to my mind, and hopefully yours, is deep pressure or deep touch. The strategies should be attempted at first during in-between mealtimes. This is a trial period that can give you an idea of how they respond to the stimuli. That way, if it doesn't seem to be an effective method for them, you can try something else until you find something that might work. Also keep in mind that sometimes strategies will work one day and not the next. Pay close attention to the moms or the person who feeds the infant most of the time, which the majority of cases is the mom, but not always. Anyway, pay, pay close attention to this person because they will already have a lot of good information for you about how the infant does during feedings, and I promise they will already have tried many different strategies before you even show up. The problem is that they may not understand 
sensory processing, so they may not have an understanding of which strategies they should be trying and why. There is really no black and white answer here. They might have come up with some good ideas already that just need a slight tweak to make them work even better. Definitely start there if possible. Some additional strategies to try can be things like swaddling them in a blanket several minutes before starting the feeding to give their body a chance to benefit from the deep pressure first. The parent and caregiver can try giving the infant a massage before the feeding if the infant likes this and if it helps them become calm. This can be also as simple as just giving their feet some gentle squeezes before or during the feedings. Avoid using light touches on the infant's skin, including their face and mouth areas, because this can be more irritating to the infant and make them more agitated than they already are. If they are bottle fed, making sure the formula or milk is warm or room temperature can help provide less stimulation and possibly be more tolerable for the infant. Avoid changing their clothing or diaper immediately before the feeding because this can be irritating for infants who are sensitive to touch. Also consider the soaps, lotions, and detergents that you use. They might be sensitive to the way the things smell, which could add to their difficulties with eating. If possible, try non-scented options for a while to see if that seems to help. Although for some infants, even ones that are sensitive to scents, they may actually end up finding that certain ones are calming for them rather than annoying or overstimulating. So this isn't necessarily something to discount altogether. I would be conscious of it though and try to limit the number of scented things around them, especially just before and during feedings. They might do best if they have a chance to swing in an infant swing for several minutes prior to eating. If they seem to like vibration in their infant seats, you may need to try and provide some vib vibration while you are holding them for feedings. Maybe a pillow or a stuffed animal that has a gentle vibration that is just on the chair that you're sitting in. It may or may not have to be touching them directly to feel the vibration. For some babies who enjoy movements of swings or being bounced while you hold them, using these techniques during feedings might also be helpful. Literally bouncing them while you hold them, like patting their bottoms while feeding them, or even just simply rocking in a rocking chair for feedings might be enough to give their bodies what they need. On the other hand, those things might be too overstimulating for them and could end up having the opposite effect, making them even more agitated. If holding them is just too much for them, you can try giving them a bottle while they are comfortably positioned in a boppy pillow or a bouncy seat that allows them to avoid being touched during the feeding. I know this is not something as parents that we want to do. We generally want to hold our babies when feeding them and we want them to like it. However, in some cases where the sensation of touch is not something they prefer, trying this strategy might be just what they need. This can be tricky for those who are breastfeeding, 
but to a certain certain extent, it can be done or at least approximated, not necessarily by using a bouncer seat, but you could probably do this with a boppy pillow, just trying to provide as little touch as possible while still holding them close enough to nurse can work. Finding a quiet location and a location where you can dim the lights may be a good strategy as well. This might eliminate feeling overstimulated by having too many different sounds, including the TV, music, or other people talking. This might seem counterintuitive, but the person who is feeding the infant should also try not talking to them during the feeding to see if that helps. If the infant has difficulties with auditory processing, then any person talking can be distracting and overstimulating to them, even if it's mom or dad. You may find it beneficial to use a source of white noise during the feedings, like a fan or a white noise machine, or there are many apps that have a variety of options for white noises that you can get right on your phone or tablet. Dimming the lights, closing the blinds and the windows to block out sunlight, and things like this can also help reduce possible overstimulation from visual stimulation or infants who might be sensitive to light. On the other side of the sensory spectrum, from being sensitive to showing more decreased awareness of sensory stimuli, the sensory-based approach to feedings with infants can be quite different. I'm going to go back through the same pattern I did with the sensitivities to make sure I hit all of the areas. But in relation to the babies who take longer to respond to sensory stimuli or who need additional stimulation than typical to be able to realize the sensation is happening. For these infants, starting with a diaper change or changing their clothes to a new outfit prior to starting their feeding can actually help them become more alert and more aware of their environment. Using a lighter touch on their skin instead of a deeper massaging type touch, more of what would usually be considered tickling or just lightly touching the skin on their arms or legs to help, again, increase their awareness of their body. This can be very stimulating. Using the strategy with their face and mouth area also, either by lightly touching their cheek or their jaw, or on their face with your hands or with a cold, wet washcloth for additional stimulation from the cold water and the texture of the cloth itself. By the same strategy, waking their mouth up using a nook brush or an infant toothbrush, silicone um, finger toothbrush, or a cold teether for them to mouth on for either the physical stimulation or just the cold stimulation or both at the same time. Offering cold formula or breast milk from a bottle can be another way of providing additional alerting stimulation during feedings. This, of course, can't be done for babies who are nursing, but could be an option to try with breast milk in a bottle just to see if it works as a possible option. Of course, this works better if we already know they are an infant who has been able to switch back and forth between breast and bottle feeding. These things go along with the infants who are having difficulty latching on or maintaining a latch during feedings due to low awareness of their mouth, lips, tongue, and jaw areas. 
using stimulating scents of lotions, either on their skin or on the person who is feeding them, or having a room oil diffuser with a stronger scent could be an option for additional alerting stimuli. Generally, avoiding swings or vibrating bouncy seats prior to feedings is probably a good idea. These can be a calming type of activity, which is just the opposite of what we want these guys to be. Rather than using these calming activities before feedings, instead try things that are more alerting, specifically to stimulate their vestibular system. For this, consider activities that provide them with a change in head position. So playing with them in a way, for example, moving them from a position where they are laying down on their back and you move them up to a sitting upright position. We do these types of games a lot without maybe even realizing the potential sensory benefit of them, like for this situation. You might do this when you hold them behind their back and their head if necessary and lower them down on your legs in your lap to a laying down position and then raise them up or bring their head up closer to you and you might make a silly face or say boo or something like this for play. You might have them in a supported upright position and if they are able to bounce themselves on their feet while you hold them or you can gently help them move up and down in an upright position to get that vestibular movement through moving their whole body against and with gravity. There are so many different ways to get them moving that would be safe and appropriate for their age. Basically finding fun ways to get them moving but focusing on the changes in head positions to be the most stimulating activities. Again, doing all this before the feeding to try and get them prepared to be alert enough to eat. Gently rocking them during feedings might be too calming for them. I would encourage parents to talk or sing to them during feedings to keep their auditory sense stimulated. Having the lights on or the window blinds open can help stimulate their visual system and might help with their level of alertness. Now, I wouldn't try all of these things all at the same time because that could be just too much for anybody in the room, but these are just things you can try at different times. You can also try having music or the TV on. And depending on their auditory processing system, they may not even seem to notice these things. Remember that not all strategies will fit each of these categories exactly. And I should have mentioned this before, but I'm just not thinking about it. If an infant shows sensitivities to sound or auditory stimulation, they could have decreased awareness in a different um, area, like visual. So even if you are noticing one type of symptom in one sensory area, can't assume that all areas are going to be the same. To be fair to the infant, you need to specifically consider which what each area looks like and work from there to help them. That is why this is not a cut and dry topic, and really sensory topics never are. Of course, there are many other strategies out there to try, and I'm sure you can come up with many on your own as well. This will hopefully give you a starting point or a refresher on why we suggest things to parents who are working so hard to feed their babies with sensory issues.
Of course, many times there are other issues going on beyond just the sensory piece that will need to be considered if that is the case. I didn't want to get into all of that what-ifs and maybes during the show because that can just get confusing when I just really wanted to focus on feeding babies from a sensory perspective. The sensory stuff might just be one piece of the puzzle, and it probably is. I'm going to end there for today. I want to thank you all for listening, and have a great day. Bye.